hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. I'm Simon. And I'm Simon. And we talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Simon has a number of buy-to-lets and runs Patna, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights. Stuart runs a portfolio of co-living properties with a six-figure turnover and also has a property investment consultancy. And Simon Glastonbury, our guest today, is an independent mortgage broker with 25 years experience providing mortgages, bridging and development finance for home buyers and investors. And before we get into today's show, just a reminder for those that are interested in joining what we're calling our Business of Property Growth Club, which is a mastermind for 12 months. We've had quite a bit of interest actually so far. So um, please do reach out to us. Send an email to show at thebusinessofproperty.com. That's show at thebusinessofproperty.com to register your interest. And we'll share with you a few more details about what what it all means. But it's certainly a, a powerful way if you're thinking about growing your property business. And we do require that you do already have at least an investment or two. This is not for necessarily new people. That may come later. So that's some of the paperwork out of the way. And as you'll have heard, we've got the second Simon with us today, Simon Glastonbury, who is our sort of resident mortgage broker from JSI Associates. So Simon, it's not like you've been busy the last few months. I mean, I imagine it's been fairly quiet in mortgage land. And so while you've had your feet up and smoking your cigars, I imagine a few people have talked to you about rates. And the questions that we certainly hear are, do we think rates have peaked? What's going to happen with them, the Bank of England rates? In terms of the day-to-day, what, what are you seeing at the moment? Well, good afternoon, chaps. Yes, it's, it's nice to actually do some work for once because clearly I've not been doing anything since the, uh, the lenders have been putting rates up and down and moving them about over the, uh, the last few months. It's, it's, it's definitely a topic of conversation with clients and people who have been referred to me in general, generally people who, who know I'm in the mortgage market. The good news, let's start with some good news. The good news is fixed rates on the whole are coming down from where they were a month or two ago. Certainly in January, they have started to, we're, we're getting a lot of emails through with lenders coming down and they're back down to a point where we feel this will be the new norm. December through for the industry was extremely quiet. Uh, and I think we, we get the feeling that people were not panicking and such, but, but wondering what was going to happen in the future. Is this going to be, you know, is, is this going to be short term? Not quite used to jumping from rates at circa, depending on what it's a residential or buy to let or what the case may be. But residential rates at around about 1% jumping up to, they were well over 5%. That's a shock to the system for a lot of people. Weren't quite used to that. Thankfully, they've come down, makes people think uh, that they're, they're getting a better value for money now. But facts are, they're still much higher than they were this time last year. Has January now got busier again? Or, or is it still quiet compared to normal? It's January has been very busy. It, 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 it a complete difference. Chalk and cheese from December. December, you're quite right, Stuart. I was I was just wrapping Christmas presents the whole time. I didn't get mine, by the way. Oh, did you know? It's in the post. But it was what we were doing in December is answering lots of questions. People 
calling up clients saying, right, I've got this rate, whether it be I'm my current rate of X. I mean, if you've taken out a fixed rate in the last four or five years, it's going to be on a residential side, somewhere between one and two percent. If it's on a buy to let side, it's probably circa two, two and a half percent, three percent, somewhere in those. Now, what do I do? How do I what what happens? What happens if what happens in six months, what happens in a year's time? They were the questions we were getting constantly and rightly so. People need to prepare on both sides. On a residential side, it's the first thing you're going to be paying out for each month. On an investor side, will the rental cover the cover the mortgage each month? Uh, if it's going from two percent to five and a half, six percent, you know, the, the it's the monthly payments are, are are going to you know they're going to go up a lot. So yes, we've been busy. Thankfully, from our side, we've been busy with new business, new applications, and it's yes, one of the busy. It's gone from one of the strange, one of the slowest December's I've had in probably 10 years to one of the busiest Januaries. Whether that's people just having to do something now, waiting enough and thinking, right, okay, this is the new norm. I'm going to have to jump ship. Because people have, if you're looking around that um, standard variable rates now, if you've had any experience of those, they're up high sixes, you know, to 7.5%. People are not going to go on to standard variable rate now unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, those rates are, are super painful. So, so you mentioned people were asking sort of what they should be doing looking forwards. So if you've got somebody coming to you saying, our rate has just expired, I mean, obviously they're going to get off sound variable quickly, or you've got someone coming to you saying, our, our fixed rate is due to expire in three months, six months, 12 months, what what are you generally saying to them? Right, good Good point, Simon. And it's and it's very important for people to look at this. And it depends on lender to lender. Most of the what we would call high street lenders will offer some sort of online rate switch service. Now, some of those are only available via broker. So make sure people speak to their broker and, and see what's available. And also, most of what will happen is if you want to lock into a rate now, which and lock into a rate as early as possible. So at least you've got that there as a backup, and just in case anything strange and quirky does pop up and rates do change, for go back up for whatever reason, not that we're expecting it. And then get your broker to check once a week, depending on whenever the rate expires. Let's give a for example. If your rate is expiring at the end of April, Check every couple of weeks. You can go or speak to the broker again every few weeks and just to see if there's another rate available. Then you can get out of that, that uh, offer you've, been, you've accepted and jump into another one. Now, most lenders will allow you to do that, okay? But definitely check with your broker if that's the case because you can, stand, you can shave something, you know, you, you can shave something off your mortgage. And, and when they're up, you know, when it, it's been such a change, every penny counts. So certainly speak to the broker on that, uh, but also I would say lock in early. Yeah, we, we shared about this on last week's podcast. And so, so I just accepted a, a five-year, this is on the residential, and uh, we accepted it on the day of the Bank of England interest rate increase. But the mortgage 
the mortgage percentage had gone down by 0.1, which, as you say, you know, 0.1% doesn't sound like a lot, but actually it sounds about £100 a month, which, you know, obviously 1,200 quid a year, so it's not bad. Two things. Number one, from my perspective, that doesn't switch until the end of February. So in my situation, if, if something had changed, and just thinking about this from other people's perspective, could we still then look at a another product before before the, the next mortgage goes live on the on the say the first of March? Absolutely, and that's I mean you're you're a prime candidate for this. You need to be looking at this and speaking to the lender and saying right when what deadline to you they will have a deadline. They will have a deadline to when you can cancel your existing the offer you have now signed into for the end of the month. And when the new a new rate is then acceptable, because it's all about internal systems, and they may need a week for that. They may need they may be able to change. Some lenders will literally cancel the rate immediately, and then minutes later, I can jump online and I can get you another rate. But it's it differs from lender to lender. So what I would say is you have to check because some some buy to let lenders, as I know we've had experience with are paper-based. And what I mean by that is literally we have to form fill. We then have to email them over to the lender. The lender will then look at them if, and that will depend on their service levels. And as we know, some lenders will take weeks for them to be looked at. Then they'll come back for questions. So you have to look. It's very, very important. And certainly this is the first time we've really had to look at this in 12 years at least where rates are dropping down slightly, no, probably 10 years, so but get my maths right, but rates are starting to drop down and you want to get a better rate. Sure, you're exactly right. I mean, if it's 0.1, 0.2, it doesn't matter how much it is. If there's a better rate out there and you can get it, you need to get online and, and, and get it straight away. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. And you said some, some lenders take weeks. Oh, I'd, I'd take weeks over months, but let's not get into that conversation. And... The other thing, just just to get your view, so I took a five-year, and I think, you know, in terms of my investing experience, which is probably for the last 10, 15 years, I've never experienced a period of time where we went from, certainly my, in my experience, going for fixed on certain terms, and then for a period of time, possibly around sort of October onwards, because we know what was happening then, People were saying, "Oh, standard variable rates not looking so bad." If you can, you know, if you can get onto trackers, that's not bad. and it's funny how that's just changed so much so quickly in the last few months. But would I ended up taking a five-year fix? Do you think? You know, do you think? Do you think that was a, a wise move, or do you think people should still look at maybe the shorter terms? Just interested to get your point of view on that. that I think that's that's again is the. The number one question I'm being asked at the moment, what should we do? Should we look at trackers? Again, is that, is that something we should, uh, we should consider? A month, six weeks ago, yes, because the differential between the tracker rate and the five-year rate was enough for it to be considered because like, if, it was, if it was a percent, 2% below the tracker rate, it's going to take, you would have thought it was going to take some time before you're going to get up to anywhere near where the rate is, the fixed rate is. And then most lenders will offer you the chance to switch that over to a fixed rate at any time in the future anyway. So you could have. There were people who were who wanted to take that gamble and look at and, and look at tracker rates. 
over two, three, five-year rates. Two-year rates have come to into the conversation as well, where they haven't been over a number of years, really, unless there's a specific reason why you'd want that. People are now looking at two-year rates, and I can see why. So you're only tied in for a two-year period, expecting rate fixed rates then to come down in two years' time. And that, again, a gamble. It's about... It's all about whether it's investor or residential. It's all about affordability. What, what, what are you as an individual comfortable with? Is it affordable to you? Is it affordable over that two, three, five years, 10 years even? Are you comfortable with that rather than jumping onto a tracker rate because it's cheaper now, the here and now, and then having sleepless nights every single week, every time Bank of England meets? to decide whether base rate goes up or not. It depends on, it all depends on the individual. Personally, I think now where we are, the five-year rate is coming down to a point where it's, it's, now, it's now going to be the new norm. So yes, it's potentially we'll, we will see a little, you know, a, a, a bit more of a cut. So I personally, I think we're going to be around about the 4% mark. We have seen in the marketplace a few five-year rates just dip below that. So they're just going down. A couple of people have just, HSBC for one, have just brought out 3.99. Virgin have just come out with a 3.99, 10-year fixed. You know, it's, it's how comfortable with, are you with that particular? So in, in answer to your question, sure, you personally, yes, if it's comfortable for you, you're happy with it now. No reason to, yeah, no reason for me to argue that. Yeah, it was with HSBC, just for the record. So, uh, and and that was the thing. And it, it funny what you say, because when I sat down with my wife to talk about it, and this isn't about me, I'm thinking about this in general terms, but for the first time in, as long as I can remember, we had the conversation about the tracker. And I was sort of talking about the fact, well, you know, when the Bank of England rate goes up, as it's intended to do, you know, in February, it felt more like when you're making investments in terms of, being, from my perspective, being a bit more of a gamble versus when you just, and, and again, this, this is probably where risk tolerance comes into the equation. But for me, it was a kind of actually with, certainly with residential and probably with investments, but it was kind of like, let's fix it just so that we can plan what we're doing for the next few years. But as you've rightly said in, in, and articulated really well it's always based on an individual circumstance because you know if, if you've not got a family and, or you're or you're you know on your own and you're a lot more flexible you can probably you know play with those things about someone and i've talked about that in the past as well haven't we Simon? yeah yeah definitely i think something else that, that sort of plays into the particularly the investment decision of whether you're going to go for tracker or fixing for two years or five years certainly used to be that five years gave you a lot more flexibility on stress testing and hence you were able to achieve higher loan-to-values. How are, how are sort of the, the loan-to-value and particularly the stress testing element of that looking these days? Again, another interesting question, which is going into the buy-to-let market in particular, that it's been hit massively with the interest rate rises lenders are, are are changing their stress testing quite often at the moment apart from hmos because hmos have a higher rental 
most of the time and there's always a caveat in this i'm i'm generalizing here as i as i always do hmos will generally have provide enough rent to get you somewhere up and around 75 percent loan to value that's pretty much across the board and again it's it's a very general figure however on the on the standard buy to let side of things i've just crunched some numbers here as a, as a very sort of average let's use an average property £350,000 purchase or residential on a for a non-portfolio client just as a, as a purchase with a with a rental income I'd say guys at about 1400 for for something like that I'd seem is probably fair I'd hope you you think for about that value you can borrow about 196,000 if you went for a 5 year term now that's down to 56% loan to value. So if you're then buying, you know, even I can do that, so off the top of my head, that's 44% as a deposit, plus your, plus your stamp duty, plus your fees, plus your legals, plus your valuation, starts to become, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be close to 50% you're putting in to the deal. That, that's an awful lot more than we're used to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... Automatically, people will then be referred over and say to me and say, "Right, I can get how much? You know, what's the minimum deposit I can put down on a buy to let?" Expecting it to be fifteen percent, twenty five percent maximum. Nowhere near that at the moment. So we're expecting the lenders to try and be a little bit more flexible. They certainly are on limited companies. Limited companies, you will, you could probably get somewhere. Probably about ten percent, or you can get up to sort of sixty-five percent on those figures. There are a couple of lenders which will go a little bit higher or a bit more flexible if you can be a little bit more flexible on rate. But those sort of figures are for the very average buy-to-let. So you can see from there, stress testing is difficult for the lender and even more difficult for the client. And I think this is where the likes of, dare I say, the name Kent Reliance and one savings bank because they are very niche in the HMO area and that's probably why they get more business because you know if we're, if we're looking at standard lenders they can do HMOs but if you're looking to increase that loan to value typically speaking one savings bank and I think in the past banks like Clydesdale were more were happier to to increase that loan to value weren't they? Yes absolutely I mean there are that, yeah, there are definitely lenders out there who are who are more flexible. They're all also, I mean, something which was discussed in another seminar I was involved in top slicing for the for the personal buy to let borrower, where some they you can use part of your income towards the uh, towards the loan size, which can be in certain circumstances if you're. Generally, for the it's gen again general, so the rules here apply for the higher earner with a small loan, residential loan themselves. But if you need to get that that loan up, then it is a possibility. And again, it's something to to consider when if people are looking to at new buy to lets and you're not doing it in a limited company name and it isn't an HMO because HMOs are definitely HMO student lets, multi unit blocks. There's certainly uh, lots of business being done in that market at the moment because the rentals still there, the rent, the, the rentals and the loan to value still still fit. So it makes sense. 
But standard buy to let market at the moment, very, very quiet. Yeah, and it's worth just highlighting that for those listening is that um, what you're talking about there is the fact that, you know, most people understand getting a mortgage. But what we're talking about is moving from getting a mortgage in a personal lane to a limited company. And then that shrinks the market a little bit and means you're more more approachable to specific lenders rather than the market, the standard lenders, such as, you know, HSBC and Barclays and stuff, even though they do do it. And then, of course, you know, we've then talked about HMO, which then I see it as another layer because now we're even more niche because we're talking about not just one person renting a property. We're talking about multiple people renting a property, HMO lending. And then, of course, you know, if you're talking seven beds and above, we're then talking about very specific lenders because, uh, you know, Simon's, Simon P's favourite word, sui generis, is then, then comes into play. So we're, the market that we go to for mortgages just shrunk. So I just wanted to highlight that for people listening because that's why this then gets complex because we're shrinking the market that we go to and, and the rules that are applied to the lending criteria just in, keep increasing as we move on. And that's not to say we can't do it because obviously we do do it, but it just, just makes things more, more com, convoluted, although we're all moving towards this kind of standard business practice applications form. But I think, uh, Simon P, this kind of just naturally brings us to one of the final elements, which is the, the fees that are now being applied, which you, you, you mentioned before, which uh, make me want to spit feathers because of the amounts that are coming out. But this seems to just hit us by surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fees now that I'm seeing quoted on, on things seem, seem to be crazy. I mean, most of the mortgages I'm sort of just seeing come out, they're saying, we, we've reduced the, the rate, it's now, I don't know, four point something percent instead of five point something percent. But then the, the little bit they follow up with is plus three percent fee. And and it used to be that you could get a, a mortgage for, I don't know, nine hundred and ninety nine pounds as a fee or something. So sometimes a bit less, sometimes a bit more. But now if you're looking at a three percent fee on say a two hundred thousand pound mortgage, that's six thousand pounds a fee up front to, to get the mortgage. That that seems quite scary to me. So is, is this sort of two, two and a half, three percent fee pretty standard across everything now? Or, or can you still get the, the lower fee mortgages as well? You can. It's hit us by surprise as well. It's one of those have to look through the small print to see where they, where they are. We obviously use a piece of software which is live. So we have all the updated rates so we know where we're going and with, with fees, etc., yeah, but they haven't promoted them. I and mean, what will happen is most of the lenders offering a competitive rate will you will generally offer three rates now. They'll offer a rate at 1%, 2%, 3%. Now, we're talking, we're talking buy-to-let here. It's, it's unlikely you're going to be paying 3% on a residential mortgage. The residential, like you said, Simon, the residential side – you, it's normally 995, 1495, the, the lenders, or certainly the high street lenders, will all charge the same. They're in the same marketplace. They're fighting for the same business. Although the buy-to-lets are much the same, they're, they're fighting for that same business, but they will offer a, let's say, for example, a buy-to-let rate at the moment, 5%. That will come with a 3% fee. However, if you want 5.25%, They'll come with a 2% fee or maybe 5.5% or 5.75% or a 1% fee. And it does, again, you made a good point there about the amount. 
you have to work out what is best for you in your circumstances with your loan amount. Just because someone said, oh, yeah, go, go for the lower loan amount, it may not work on a, on a very low loan. It may work on a high loan. You've got to do that. You've got to crunch the numbers to make sure it suits, suits you. But they are coming in, and a lot of lenders are looking up at, at sort of 3% mark with, if you're going for the, if you're looking to cut costs and you're going for the lower interest rate. I tell you what is interesting. So again, we did have a look at, and again, I don't usually spend that much time looking, looking at the mortgage products when it's with without fee, from a residential perspective. But this time I did because I really wanted to understand. And the interesting thing to me was that our, so the product we went with, which was a, a five-year fix with a product fee, the with product fee worked out slightly cheaper overall. So when you work out the annual percentage monthly rate that you're paying versus just paying say £999 up front than the monthly ongoing and you know I was reflecting on why they would do that and the only thing I sort of came up with and it'd be interesting to get anyone else's thoughts is that possibly from an accounting perspective if you're charging an upfront free a fee of say a thousand pounds or what you know those are those other numbers that have been mentioned one two three percent then actually as a business you can account for that on day one of the mortgage because I was thinking why would you incentivize people because for those of us that do actually sit down and work it out you've almost incentivized us to go for the product fee option and I think well from a business that has to there has to be a commercial, well, I, I believe there'd be a commercial reason for them doing that. And maybe it's just because, yeah, I get a fee up front, you're going to get a cheaper rate ongoing, but we get we get to bank a thousand pounds times however many tens of thousands of people that have gone for this product. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I think that's, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it, it makes commercial sense to do it that way, doesn't it? And from a broker point of view, it's very rare that, that anyone will pay their fee up front very you know very rare i would say it's probably one percent if that uh, people will pay this. so the banks know and it's because they know people it's kind of painless and we say it as brokers we'll say well you know this is the fee but it is added to your loan so it's not something you're going to be paying up front so as a majority people will say oh well it's i don't have to put that on my credit card or i don't have to pay it out of the bank so actually it's sort of out of sight out of mind a lot of the time but equally, and wet, that's that's generally okay when it's a thousand pounds. When you're starting, like Simon said, when you're starting getting to three percent, two three percent on loans, you know, on on sort of fairly hefty loans, it's a large sum of money. So it definitely has to be built into to the conversation you're having either with the bank or with your broker. Because yeah, on a business sense, from the bank's point of view, great. Yeah, they're getting all this money in, and it's added to the loan. And they can account for it absolutely day one. But from a from a client point of view, customer point of view, personal point of view, look at it because although it does get added to the loan, and if you're on interest only for or on a buy to let or your portfolio or whatever it is, it's just building up. You're you know it's eating into your capital. Be very very careful on that one. And and the final point on this, and that was what we also looked at. Or sorry, what I also looked at was okay if we added it to the loan. And this, we stayed with this mortgage for 10 years plus. Actually, what's the interest on that? What's the interest on that element? And, okay, it came to, let's say, pounds over the term. 
but again, not many of us, and certainly I wouldn't have a few years ago thought to uh, actually have a look at that because you know they try. They, this is extra money that the banks get from us, you know, through the back door. But we're we're running out of time, Simon. So I, I guess we just want to finish up with the, the headline rates for you know current mortgage products that you've got handy that we can share with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Quick fire. Like to go through these. Good news, like I say, let's let's start on some good news and end on some good news. So that's that makes a nice cheerful time just before uh, we go. Nice to see that um, the fixed rates, as we said already, on a residential side have come just dip below four percent. That I think we we'll, we will see the large majority of lenders are at about about four point two percent, and that's interesting. We say that's for two, three, and five year rates. They're all sort of around. That's really unusual for the market. Not sure how long that's going to be there for, but they're all around that sort of area at the moment. So that's some good news. On a buy-to-let, if you're looking at a buy-to-let in a a, a personal name, you're looking at about, on a five-year rate, about 4.9. There is a 4.69 if you want to go for a 10-year fixed. Not sure that would be where I would go at the moment, but it's out there. And then if you're going again, as we said, on the, in a sort of more specialised market, HMO, limited company buy-to-lets, they're around about the 5% mark. So they've definitely dipped, I think, from the last time we spoke. And they're certainly going in the right direction. How much more they're going to drop, we're not quite sure. I would expect by the time we have another conversation, they would have come down a little bit. Keep your eyes out and certainly keep... Keep your eyes out for rate, you know, for if you're looking to, to switch rates. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks, Simon. And, and it certainly feels like that we've stabilised as, as a market following the Bank of England's sort of more considered approach in terms of sharing what they're going to do. And it feels like the banks have aligned with that so that even when we do have a half a percent increase, mortgage rates don't seem to be jumping about as they were, you know, back in September, October. So it certainly feels from a from a customer perspective, that things are stabilising. Absolutely. I, I think that's right. It's a case. Also, a, a quick, a, a final thing, which is a common conversation we're having, is that people are quite worried if they hear that Bank of England are about to change rates, that they have to jump onto a fixed rate or change or rate switch before that happens. Now, again, general uh, a bit of general advice is, Banks will not change, pull interest rates or pull fixed rates for a day or two after, at least. Now, again, that's a, a, a general conversation and it may or may not happen in, in severe circumstances. But don't worry too much if Bank of England at the moment increase rates up. It's not affecting the fixed interest rate at the moment in this current market we're still expecting them to drop slightly. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for finishing on an optimistic note. Both Simon and myself tend to often finish on pessimistic notes, but, you know, you could you can read what you like into that. And uh, so all that leaves us to do is to say thank you to Simon G for coming along and sharing your experience and current knowledge with us and the audience today. So for those of you listening, please do reach out to us at Biz of Property via Twitter, You can also reach out to us on show at thebusinessofproperty.com. And don't forget, if you'd like any more information from Simon Glastonbury, just uh, Google 
JSI Associates and you'll find him there. There'll be a link to Simon and his company in the show notes as well, which you can also find at thebusinessofproperty.com. Other than that, we'll see you next week.